This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hawaiian sisters turned their love of art and crafts into a solid $500,000 business and they didn't even use any money. We're doing 500000 a year. You could definitely start online without having a physical product. Like, yeah, you got to do it. You got to take the leave. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. If you're always working in your business, you're not able to work on your business. We built like a really viable long-term business that way. This is how they did it. Jen, it's good to meet you. Hi, Nick. Hey, Jen. Nice to meet you. Nice all. to meet you. Cool. Let us know where we're at. This is our candle warehouse. We do home and body fragrances. Well, I'm excited. Tell us a story. How did you start? I'm curious. Well, we got started. My sister was making candles as a gift. When she used to work at a big corporation, she had a lot of coworkers, so she made some candles as gifts as a side project. She did a Kickstarter to get some funding to try and do it a little bit more at scale, and she got food poisoning. So she brought oh, me in no to help way. her finish her Kickstarter. And she was like, hey, if you help me finish this, then um, maybe we can make this business together. Yeah. So from there, I got us in a bunch of pop-ups all around town. Oh, and cool. yeah, we just hit the ground running and like doing That's it together. Awesome. What was your initial budget when you first started RXLA? And what are your greatest expenses right now? Our initial budget, we had a little bit of money from Kickstarter, but we really started from scratch. My sister and I invested our own money. So I would say we started with like a hundred bucks and we just made what we could. And every Sunday, whatever we made at the farmer's market, we completely reinvested all of it because we had day jobs. Was there a time when you encountered a huge failure or a setback that pushed you back? And what did you do about it? How did you recover? Yes. So during COVID, we opened um, a, a brick and mortar and it was such a money pit. We were making really good money off of our customers were coming by. We were doing good sales, but just keeping it running, having either myself be there away from the warehouse, you know, then I wasn't doing other things. And then ha- I had a baby after that. Oh, so it's just a thing. Thank you. She now? She's two now, oh, but just two bi- really big time sucks. You know, the baby and the, right. the brick and mortar. So that was that was a big setback for us. I mean, we opened it because we had COVID and all of our pop-ups were closed. So it was really good to still be out there and yeah. be able to sell our products still. Sure. But it, it we're still recovering from paying the rent there. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, like furnishing it and yeah, building, yeah. building the space out. So. Yeah. 
Okay, and you guys still have that? No, we did yeah. close it, yeah. When all the pop-ups came back up, we didn't really have a need for it. There you go. So I think it still had its place. We did get a lot of customers okay. and new customers in from it, yeah. but um, it was just so expensive, which everyone says about brick and mortars and having to build them out. But also it's just really having someone just physically be there, whether you're paying someone or you're taking time away from your business to be there yourself. Yeah. What is one mistake that you made early on in your business that impacted you greatly and how did you recover from that? Oh, there's so many as a small business owner. Um, I would say not collecting emails fast enough. We started off by doing pop-ups and farmers markets, things like that. And I didn't know what to do with the emails. It was, you know, at that time it wasn't that easy, but people just kept, my friends kept telling me to just get the emails. Eventually you can hire someone to do newsletters. And I just didn't listen to them. And I didn't think our customers really wanted to hear from us. I didn't want to bug them. I was thinking they'll just come by from us when they're ready. Yeah. So I think that was a big setback just because we had to keep selling in person, going to the pop-up, getting out there every weekend, which is really difficult job. And now you, yeah. you hired someone to send out emails? No, <laughs> I do them myself, oh, but no since we've been collecting them, more actively now and technology's just gone further there's a lot of apps and things that make it a lot easier now i don't have to be you know a designer to be able to um, send emails anymore i could do them on my own oh that's cool well, i'm sure we'll get into that later on yeah <laughs> So about your day jobs, what made you decide to quit that, the comfort, and make that leap over to starting a business and not knowing what's going to happen? Yeah, every Sunday we did experience a nice growth week after week. And I think after two years at farmer's markets, my sister quit her day job. And um, for her, it, was, it wasn't it was that big of a deal. It was a leap of faith, of course, but she's just that way. She's a Pisces. She can just like go after her dreams. Yeah. And after after another year of um, me still working my day job, she was just getting kind of like angry with me that, you know, it's a lot of work. On, and she's sis. like, yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta take the leave. Yeah. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, so I honestly, it was really her pressuring me because we were so busy and I was working 70 hour day, uh, work weeks that I really had no choice. Okay. We just went for it. And you saw that she was staying busy and you're like, hey, I think this is happening. Yeah, I mean, the 70 hour work weeks were killing me. We were falling so far behind that on Sundays we'd be literally cutting the wicks before the market opened for the candles that we poured at midnight the night before because I didn't get off work till 6 p.m. Yeah. So, um, is she your older sister, or younger? She's uh, 16 months younger. Okay. So yeah. Younger sister's like, come on, big sis, step it up. Yes. She's like, I really can't do this on my own. It's getting exhausting. So we just. Dove in. That's cool. Guys, later on, she will share why it's so important to collect emails to grow your business quicker and faster and more efficiently. Is this a type of business that someone can start today with zero money? Or what tips or advice would you give if they have zero or just a very small budget? Probably not zero dollars because you need a product unless you are excellent in marketing and taking pictures, you could definitely start online without having a physical product. Mm. If that is the case and that's what you would want to do, I would go with like pre-sales. So you would basically, you know, get a fragrance that you have in mind that you know you can create, put it together a website. Now with AI, you can literally ask the AI to create an entire company for you, a candle company, and it'll spit out a name, uh, put, you know, the, the fragrance and the candles and 
everything together on a website and then you do pre-sales yeah. so you would say like this is what i'm coming out with they're gonna you know be clean candles smell really great and then you'd get an idea of what's gonna sell um and then with your pre-sale you would take that money and then make the candle yeah, so it. So, it is possible so no excuses for anyone yes right? if someone's starting their own business what do you think they should be investing their money quickly right into I think it's always important to think about scaling. So always getting, you know, better machinery, things to make your life more efficient. I just recently heard an entrepreneur say like if you're always working in your business, you're not able to work on your business. So it's been important for us to really try and get, you know, a wax machine that can hold more wax to melt faster or to have more help around the warehouse or to buy our jars already labeled so we're not taking so much time to to physically label them ourselves. So I think a good investment for anyone is something or items to help you be more efficient and also hopefully looking to the future to be able to scale your business. That's good, I like that. All right, so how much money did you guys raise from a Kickstarter campaign? And I'm just curious, like if someone wants to start a Kickstarter campaign or any other crowdfunding campaign, what advice do you have for them? We raised, I think, $4,000. Yeah, so <laughs> 10 years ago, that was a pretty big deal for Kickstarter. Nowadays, you have to be quite compelling, definitely trying to get as good a video as possible for those types of campaigns and having like a real story. People really like buying into either about you as a person or the product itself. So definitely a high quality video and a story. Jen, what is one thing that has been so challenging for you to start your business and as new entrepreneurs are watching, they're like, hey, I can learn from this. Definitely funding, you know, you have little resources, so you definitely want to make the best of those resources. Um, and for us, that was knowing what fragrances were going to sell the best so we didn't have the dead inventory. All right, Jen, what are we doing? I'm pouring our newest candle fragrance. It's called Mango Sticky Rice. Ooh, sticky rice. That is pretty cool. And that's how it's done, huh? Yeah, you want to go nice and slow so it doesn't get any bubbles in there. So what is one key decision that changed the trajectory of your business and your life? Definitely deciding to go full time. I guess that's kind of an obvious one, but really putting all of our eggs into the basket and trying to make it a legitimate business. Mm -hmm. I would always say to my sister, even now, I always want to be considered like a legitimate business, whatever that means, instead of just, you know, a side hustle or a homemade craft. So if you were to start all over again, what would you do differently today and how would that impact your business? I would believe in us sooner because a lot of things every time we would constantly have our customers telling us one thing and I felt like we were pushing back almost because we were like, no, you don't want that, you know, and they would come and say, oh, we want a perfume that smells like this candle. I'd be like, why? Why? You want perfume? You smell like a candle. And That's they'd be right. like, it, they smell so good. We really want it in more ways. Yeah. or we want to buy them online and I'd say no one's gonna buy our stuff online you know nobody likes us that much and with with our emails I touched on before customers would say like oh do you have a newsletter and I'd say no like why would you want to hear from us yeah, you, you could yeah you could just come buy it at the farmers market right. so I think if I would have really believed in us and our products like so much sooner we could have just expanded a lot quicker but we moved at a really slow pace 
But on the other hand, we've built like a really viable long-term business that yeah. way. So if someone does not have the confidence that you have today, you're telling them just to start collecting those emails, listening to your customers, and giving them what they need and having like a, a website. Yes, cool. yeah. Because even with the emails, it doesn't take you anything to collect them. So even if you're not prepared to do the Google ads or the Clavio or MailChimps and things like that, if you're not ready to design your emails and send them out regularly, at least you're still collecting them for the future. Have you ever wondered how top investors always beat the stock market? Well, it is simple. They jump in on opportunities before companies go public. But investors like you and me are typically left out of these lucrative opportunities. Well, today, folks, it is all changing. Start Engine, led by Howard Marks, previously co-founder of Activision, which has acquired later by Microsoft. Start Engine is now democratizing investing. On Start Engine, you can invest alongside of 1.7 million other users where you can potentially be investing in the next Uber or Airbnb for as little as $100. And here's the best part. Not only you are invited to invest in startups, but as an Upflip viewer, you also get to join Start Engine's live fundraising round. This gives you the opportunity to own shares of this revolutionary platform for as little as $500. With $1.2 billion raised and $71 million for themselves, Start Engine is reshaping what's possible in startup investing. Click on the link in the description below and jump on board before their investing round wraps up. All right, Jen, so this is the Fan Blitz. So I'm gonna ask you a few questions, came from the fans, and you can answer them in 10 seconds or less. You ready? Yeah. You think you can do this? Yeah. All right, so uh, Jay is asking, how did you choose your niche audience, and how did you guys market to them, and how did you decide when to expand products or just continue to go with what works? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe, Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we didn't choose anything really. They, luckily, it chose us. So yeah. we, my sister make the candles for fun and people just really wanted them. So we kept making them for people. Then once we got out in front of people at our pop-ups and farmers markets, they told us that they wanted more. You know, we had the candles, they liked the way they smelled, they bought enough candles, so they wanted diffusers. The next thing after diffusers, they asked us for perfumes, mm -hmm. and after that, incense. So luckily we've been able to have some really one-on-one uh, -on -one time with our customers and being out there face-to-face, -face, so they tell us exactly what they want. Mohammed is asking, did you come up with your own formula, or do you guys have suggestions on what types of wax is best to use? So the recipe that we use is um, pretty standard you know it's only soy wax and our fragrance oils and essential oils mm -hmm. so the part that you start messing with as your own business is 
the actual fragrances. So the recipe for your fragrance, you'll have to work on on your own. A lot of companies do use just like a stock fragrance, but you know, we like to be a little more unique and offer things that are special. So we are doing our own fragrances. Revolution 685 is asking, how did you guys separate their brand from a million other businesses like theirs? We get that a lot. Cause again, there are a lot of candle companies. There's a lot of fragrance companies, but it's sort of like chicken, you know, all the restaurants pretty much serve chicken, but you're going to go to the restaurant that you like the chicken recipe yes. that they have or the chicken dish. So we definitely differentiate ourselves by the fragrances that we're offering. Everything we have is unique because we're making them ourselves. They're strong. They're potent. People want to smell the fragrance, but nothing's like punching you in yeah, the face. Yeah, Everything's sure. really subtle. And I like to say that for our whole collection, any one person can go down the line and smell all of our candles and not be like offended by one. Yeah. So like how many times have you gone to a candle store or something and you smell and you're like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, and it kind of puts you off to smell for sure. more. Yeah. How long did it take for your business for you in order to see that there's profits coming in? Well, for us, it was right away because we weren't paying ourselves. Okay. <laughs> so every week, uh, week after week, we would take the profits and reinvest it into our company, buying more fragrances or doing more R&D. What are your monthly pro profits right now? We're doing 500000 a year. Okay. Um, total so it, it definitely it's like a roller coaster yeah. there's some months that are definitely sure. higher than others yeah that's pretty cool and what and what of that is your profit margins like your percentages it's about 50 percent profit margins it would it'd be a little bit more we have a little bit higher markup but with having more inventory on hand and then spending more money now and trying to market and keep it all going that's incredible 50 percent you guys are rocking it thanks keep going <laughs> Jen, how many employees do you have? Um, and just curious, do you need to hire right away? Uh, should they wait or should you start hiring employees? Just curious what your take on that is. It's my sister and I, the owners, and then we have two employees, Alex, who ships everything, and our rock star over here, Jesse. Rock star! Woo! <laughs> um, my sister and I did everything ourselves for a solid two years. Again, going back to that bootstrapping thing, trying to do everything as much as you can on your own before taking on extra expenses. But when we got Jesse, he really helped us to expand. And then just for my sister and I to be able to work more on the business instead of in the business, he took a lot off our plate. You guys check out our podcast with Jen and Jocelyn, how they started their kennel business today. You guys will be blown away with information that they provide. So be sure to check it out. And the link is in the description below. So you started to collect emails, right? Mm -hmm. How important is that? And what'd you do to collect those emails from people? Cause that's kind of weird. Hey, can I get your email? Collecting emails is so important because it's really how you capture and keep your customers. We get so many customers that will say, Hey, I, I burned out of our, this candle and I've been waiting to see you back here in San Francisco and you're only here once a year. And I'm like, well, it has the website right here. You can buy it <laughs> online, you know, yeah. or they'll say, Oh, I got your email and it just made me reminded me I, I need to buy this thing wow. so as much as you think you're in front of customers with the email like you're really reaching the customers who've already bought from you yeah. so you really want to maintain that relationship originally we were collecting emails by pen and paper literally like at our uh, pop-ups they would write it down and I would put them in the bank and eventually got around to it. But now uh, so many apps and everything are making it so much easier. We work with Attentive now and they put, they 
physically went into my website for me because I didn't know how to do it and uploaded this pop-up that comes up every time someone visits the website, like get 10% off if you put your email here. So everyone, that's becoming a more popular way now. You see it on a lot of websites, but it's very effective. So it, wow. That is pretty cool because earlier you mentioned like that's not something you wanted to do because you didn't want to be annoying to them, right? Right. And now is it, it's a blessing because now like, oh, you reminded me. Thank you. Yeah. I order this right now before Mother's Day or Father's Day. Right. I'm thinking people are going to get upset at me and they're like, yay, thanks. Yeah. yeah. So it's totally not an unsubscribe moment. It's more like, thank you so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And you'll find like it, when you do more emails, like you would think that people would be unsubscribing, but if they're not interested in the email for that day, they just ignore it. Yeah. So. So when you first landed your first, first customer, what were you thinking? I mean, what strategies that you applied that are working and that were so impactful for you? Well, since we do everything in person and pop-ups, you know, our first customer would came to a pop-up at a farmer's market and sniffed our candles and bought. Huh. And at that point, my sister and I were happy to make 40 bucks. Yeah. We were like giving each other a high five <laughs> nice. at the end of the day. But I think oh, the biggest thing for that and pop-ups is the display. People really want to see a nice, clean, mm. approachable display and it says a lot about your brand. You can tell when someone's really started out because they don't have the full display. Mm. So what is working for you today? So today we are still doing a lot of pop-ups. Mm -hmm. We'll look into doing pop-ups more across the country to get a wider um, range of customers. Mm -hmm. uh, so that really works for us. Of course, some of them are hit or miss, but I sort of know what to look for when I'm looking for a pop-up, if they're gonna bring our kind of customer base. Mm -hmm. And also, now we are doing more things like Google ads and trying to capture more customers online. So nice. since we have a more, a bigger understanding of our demographic, it's a little easier to try and target ads instead of just, oh, cool. you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. For sure, for sure. How long was the business open before you guys went to online? And just curious, like what are the, the percentages of online customers versus in person or in store? We were selling at pop-ups for at least a year to two years, I believe, until we got online. And that was 10 years ago. But today our online sales, and I'm gonna lump in wholesale with our online sales, that's two thirds of our business. And now in person is just one third. Wow. So it's been quite a shift. So you're suggesting everyone goes online immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely go online right away. And there's a lot of websites now that weren't around back then that are a lot more affordable. So you can still have an online presence right away without having to pay like big box companies. Like we use Shopify now, which was okay. way too expensive for us to use back then. Yeah. So as long as you have an online presence, it doesn't have to be like a huge e-commerce website, but at least having it on there, you're driving customers to know where they can find you outside of yeah. a pop-up if that's how you're starting. That's cool. So when you send out newsletters, what kind of content are you putting in there that gets them excited? Like, oh, this is a letter from Jen. I want to read this. Always the sale. <laughs> yeah, if we have a warehouse sale, those do really well. And that's how we do get clear out old inventory or old fragrances, overstock, and things like that. So definitely putting a sale in the headline, that helps us a lot, or letting them know new releases. Since we rarely come out with a new fragrance, when we do and put it in the newsletter, it's a big hit. Cool, thanks for sharing that. That's a, that's a great tip. 
So what is one big piece of advice that someone has given you? As a small business overall, oh gosh, we do get a lot of advice. <laughs> I think that the best thing for us has just been to steadily organically grow. Mm -hmm. So our customers um, have always told us what they want from us. You know, we didn't have a website and they said, we don't want to keep coming to a farmer's market. Can you put this stuff online? Oh, cool. And up until that point, we didn't think anyone really cared that much. Yeah. So we got a website, people started buying from there. Our customers said they wanted perfumes from our candle oils and so we developed perfumes so I think the organic growth aspect for us has been the most important and helped us continually grow awesome. well, I'm excited to hear more what is the best way for someone who's starting off to build their new brand, their new business? Any tips, ideas? I think that when we get friends or family asking us, you know, how we built it and everything, it really is just listening to your customers and hopefully being able to get that face-to-face -face with them. A lot of people have a really great idea, but you don't know, you know, what the demand is. So I think for the most part, it's making sure you're doing your research and hopefully asking around and, and maybe having a prototype or something or doing a farmer's market to test things first. Don't just develop something, dump a ton of money into it and then figure out that people wish that it was, you know, had one sleeve instead of two sleeves or something like that. So I think definitely going slow and hopefully bootstrapping and then making changes until you get your final products mm -hmm. um, instead of putting so much effort and time and money and developing a whole website, getting everything perfect before you put it out in the world to only realize that you need to go back do to do it. Yes. Okay. Earlier you mentioned that you guys had a brick and mortar, right? Mm -hmm. So what were the challenges there? And if you were to go back in time, how would you adjust those things? Or what would you do differently? I would say staffing is the most challenging. So for me to physically be at the store, it was taking away from me physically being at the warehouse and doing other things for the business. So I think if I would change it, for me to be at the store, I would have been more actively working on like our emails or digital marketing or something else that I could be productive while physically working in the store. So doing like double duty instead of yeah. just sitting there trying to work at the For store, sure. but definitely staffing and the rent. So if I could change anything, it would be trying to find something maybe a little more affordable, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we only got the customers we got because it was in a nice area that we were attracting customers. Yeah. So, and you mentioned your ultimate goal is to have two in one, a warehouse and a store. Yes, so I think that would be better to take advantage of the space we're already using. Absolutely. So you have mentioned that you have transitioned and pivoted from listening to your customers and hearing what they want and giving them their product. Um, what about the online one? Like, how do you gather information from them? Is it something through the email, feedback? Yeah, I think just having a conversation with our customer anytime someone is emailing us or I have the chat function on our website too. Okay. So a lot of customers will just say like, like, hey, I really like the white tea fragrance. And from there I can say, oh, well, if you really like that fragrance, I'm pretty sure you're gonna like Fresh Fig or just, you know, finding out what they're looking for and how they're using our products. Another example would be like with our oils, mm -hmm. our customers will say like, how do I use them? And I really wanna make this or that. And just recently another customer asked me like to buy our all-in-one spray in like five gallon forms. Wow. And I was like, if you're not reselling it, what are you using this for, if you don't mind me asking? And she said that she just has like a really nasty like 
kitty litter box type of situation. And so I told her that we have, you know, an oil that she can use instead of that. She can buy a lot less of it and just like put it with some water and spray down type of thing. So just like always having the conversation open and um, listening to other customers and trying to like drive them towards the right product. And if we don't have the right product for them, just like clocking it in my mind that a lot of people are asking for the same thing. Jen, what would you say was your your smartest, your biggest business move and how that helped you grow your business today? Investing in apps like Klaviyo and MailChimp and growing our email subscription. It helps so much because in one email newsletter, we can generate the same amount of income as physically going out to a pop-up. So we're able to reach customers that we already know like our products. Usually if they've signed up for our email, they are familiar with us or have bought something before. So it was a major game changer. Um, really investing in that because it can be expensive. Yeah, and it's all about the customers. So invest into the apps, start the marketing, and start doing the work. Yes. Excellent. All right, you guys, this is a wrap. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you want more tips on how to start your kennel business, be sure to watch our episode with Black Sunflower. She has blossomed in the two years of her business. And also, she was featured in Cosmopolitan, People, and Elle magazine without spending a whole ton of money.